Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Bahar Alexander, who has over 20 years of experience as a high performance coach for life and leadership, has an extensive background in performance psychology, cognitive behavioral psychology, neuro-linguistics programming, epigenetics, functional medicine, anatomy and physiology, functional nutrition, mindfulness, yoga, and Tai Chi. Oh my gosh. We have so much to learn from you. Plus, you're going to want to lean in to her story as she talks about being a refugee and moving from Persia to the Netherlands and an accident that changed her life. So Bahar, thank you for being here with me. Let's jump into this. Wow. You have so much going on. You've learned so much over your lifetime. Before we jump into the professional aspects of things, let's really delve into your personal life. Let's talk about your journey, where you grew up, your immigration to the Netherlands, and your accident. Well, before we get started, Summer, I have to tell you, it is such a delight to be here. This is such an honor for me, and thank you for the amazing introduction. (laughs) (laughs) It's always nice to hear how much I have put into these years, because I really do see myself as a student of life. But thank you so much for providing space for me to be here and connect to people all around the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here with me. Let's get into your story, because... There's a lot to learn from you. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, it's been an epic story, to say the least. I always I always refer to it as many lifetimes rolled into one. Mm -hmm. And um, in in many ways, everything that has transpired in my life has aligned me with my destiny. And my destiny was always to become a coach. When I was five years old, I was already coaching my co-students. And I had no idea what it was going to be called. I thought I was going to be a psychotherapist or some sort of a head doctor. I didn't have many names for. It only became coaching when I was in my 20s and the term became more popular. And I knew I didn't want to be stuck in an office uh, doing research and all of that. I wanted to be connected to people. I wanted to help people. I remember from a very young age, I had this acute understanding of human suffering whether it was physical or emotional or mental. And I saw a lot of it in my own personal life as well. Uh, my parents were married when they were very young. They had tremendous hardship, but not only that, there was tremendous fluctuations in emotions and fighting and just incredible amount of stress going on around me. So I was very acutely aware of how I wanted to feel. And I felt other people's pains. I could sense that there was a need for something, some sort of a healing. And uh, I remember telling my mom, I want to become a doctor so I can help people's heads not hurt so much. (laughs) She was always amazed by statements like that. But because I felt a lot of pain myself as a child, and um, 
life was an unfolding, endless amount of hardship that uh, started really at a very young age. Uh, we became political refugees when I was nine years old. First, we moved to the United Arab Emirates. Uh, before that, we had to go through the Iran-Iraq war, which was mm -hmm. incredibly intense, uh, you know, watching people die around you every yeah. single day, having to go through the alarms going off every single day, uh, having to find safety. And then it was the moving to the United Arab Emirates as refugees, which brought another layer of hardship with it. Yeah. Uh, we spent a few years there. My mother was such an incredibly brave woman. I always say a lot of my personal development were ignited by her because mm -hmm. I had to watch her with such dignity and such personal pride and value system go through the hardship she had to experience because becoming a refugee basically means you have to leave everything behind. Wow, And uh, we truly did leave everything behind. So I remember when we were living in the UAE, uh, we managed the pension together as a family. My mother would manage it when she could. Other, other times she would be doing odd jobs here and there. Uh, she'd be sewing. She was always busy with something. So as children, we would step in and we just managed the pension together so we could make ends meet. Right. And it was so profound to watch this woman have to go through not just being poor, but being poor, as Oprah Winfrey would say, right? <laughs> literally nothing right. and having to take care of three children and later on four children. And of course, it's it had an impact on every single one of us. Now, as if that was not enough, moving to the Netherlands after the uh, after our stay in the UAE, um, uh, it was that was another that was another blow. Of course, again, as refugees living in refugee camps, having to stand in line for your food, and you know you get pocket money as a grown woman who has four children, and you have to sort of scrape by to take care of your family. So my skin is thick. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So how old were you when you were in the refugee camp? I was 14. Wow. When we moved to the Netherlands. I turned 15 in the Netherlands, actually. Yeah. So wow. and my siblings were younger than me. I had an older, I have an older brother and two younger siblings. So it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah, absolutely. Being a teenager going through all of that. And that's probably just the age component of that is probably nothing on your mind, but yet physiologically, absolutely. that was huge, right? It really you've was. Got, absolutely. You've got these hormones, you've got transitional issues, you've got familial things going on. You've got, there were so many things that were happening here moving parts and piece, puzzle pieces. How did you cope? That's a very good question. I know what it's called now, but back then I had no idea what the name was. It was just being mentally very tough. Right. Just bouncing back from it and not taking things personally because there were times where you would get humiliated just for looking different. Yeah. Uh, because it was it's easy to pick on the on the one that looks different. Sure. Um, inclusion was not a topic that was talked about back then, you know. Um, oh yeah. So Absolutely. It, was, 
it was pure mental toughness, pure resilience. And that was exactly what my mother had taught me because I had watched her go through all of her hardship and the times that she spoke about what she was going through because she tried to kind of keep it away from us, but we were all very smart kids. (laughs) It was hard to hide that. But I watched her move through her obstacles. And, you know, children don't learn from what parents talk about. Mm. Children learn from how parents move, how they act, how they respond to their hardship. So my mother was absolutely my greatest teacher. My father was not present all the time. So she was, she laid those seeds at a very young age. And by the time I was 14, they were pretty much full grown. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're talking about survival and being in that mode. And that was the mode that you found yourself in many times during these incredible transitions from your homeland to the UAE to the Netherlands, being young, being in a refugee camp, all the changes happening to you, both physically, mentally, in every way. So when you talked about kids don't learn from what parents say, they learn from what they model. Yes. And you talk about that. And that's why therapists do play therapy, sand therapy with kids, because we know that we learn through play. So I also am amazed when I see parents say, stop that. Don't play with that. Don't because you're limiting their learning experience. That is absolutely true. I'm taking away from their sense of identity because it is only through those experiences that they get to develop some sort of an identity. Right. And I, I know my mother didn't really do it purposely, but she gave right. us a lot of space to figure out who we are. Yeah. And that really was formative. It was profound from a very young age. And that's probably the reason why I have managed to go through hardship after hardship and not just survive, but thrive from it. There we go. And I, I love that transition. So let's talk about this. And you haven't talked about this yet. And it was part of that first question, but the accident. Yeah. Let's talk about the accident and maybe how there was a shift to about how you decided that I want to grow in a different way. This is what this means to me. And this is what I'm going to take with this, with this wisdom gained. So tell us a little bit about the accident. Yes, the accident. I call it my God wink. Okay. (laughs) Your God wink. Although it nearly took my life and it changed the old life into something totally new. It completely, as I said, aligned me with my destiny. And how it did that was that before the accident, I still had dreams of becoming a figure skater. Um, I was doing figure skating when I lived in in, uh, United Arab Emirates and I had dreams of becoming an Olympic athlete. But this accident uh, was really severe. I was hit by a car while cycling. While I was trying to cross the street, a car hit me at 100 kilometers an hour. So she was driving 80 kilometers more than the speed limit. <gasps> oh, my. Yeah. And that was that was not a pretty scene. It was it did a lot of damage to my body, was paralyzed on the left side of my body for six months. Uh, intense damage to my neck to my leg, to my left leg. 
and um, there was no hope for becoming any kind of an athlete really at that point because I was told I was never going to walk again and I was only 15 summer can you imagine wow 15 years old and you're told you're never going to walk again wow am I ever going to find a boyfriend that's what was on my mind right right am I ever going to be normal again right and Again, I remember when this all happened, the prognosis was pretty uh, grim, but I could not believe what they were diagnosing me with being paralyzed for the rest of your life. You know, the prognosis just didn't make any sense to me. And that is when I realized, I truly realized all the education, all the personal development, all the soul development that I had done all of those years, all the mental toughness I had practiced, how it would come to help me. Because Summer, I kid you not, every single night I would go to my workspace. It was, I called it my workspace because I would go into my mind, start meditating, and I would start visualizing my leg healing. I would visualize my nerves coming back together. I would visualize myself running and, you know, doing all sorts of cool things with my life. I remember visualizing running on a daily basis, and my dream was to run like the wind. Well, long story short, not only were they wrong about the prognosis, I can walk but I can also run like the wind. I also became an athlete. I was a women's physique athlete uh, in bodybuilding. And there is really not much I cannot do except for swimming because I really do have massive damage to my leg. But everything else, I can do it. I do martial arts. I, you know, I teach uh, martial arts, uh, samurai sword training classes. I do all sorts of different kinds of sports. So it and overcoming that thriving out of that made me realize that there was absolutely nothing I could not do. And I put that into practice time after time after time. Wow. So, Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have a script in front of me that I usually put together, but you've answered so many of these questions and yet that mental, what you're calling mental toughness, that resiliency, that ability to taken the information. And here's what I loved about what you did. You took that information in and you created a new story. You created a new narrative for yourself because you said, there's no way, there's no way that this is going to be how my journey plays out. And I love that you said, I took myself to my, my office that was mindset. That yes. office was mindset. So that is super cool. I love the the whole process that you talk about here, how you use your ability of survival to thrive. Absolutely. And you changed your journey. So I'm going to go on to the next question because you answered my question of how did you overcome paralysis? How did you, you know, and I'm sure this is still going to be intertwined into your story, but you're versed in so many areas of study, such as physiology, psychology, anatomy, functional medicine, and so much more. Were these interests developed as a result of your life experiences, the accident, or have these been areas of interest for the duration of your life? Both. Okay. The answer is both because I, I didn't know functional medicine existed back then. It didn't. And epigenetic epigenetics, I wouldn't even think about those things. Although after the accident, I wasn't happy with how the medical system was helping me or not helping me. They weren't supporting me. Mm 
I wasn't getting the kind of help I needed. I was just being told you're going to be a paralyzed individual for the rest of your life. Right. You're going to, you know, you're going to be limited sitting in a wheelchair. And I could not accept that. And going through surgery after surgery had had such a toll on my body, had taken such a toll on my body. I, I had developed uh, autoimmune disease because of all the uh, anesthetics I had to go on there and medications that I had to take. So I knew my mission was clear and I knew I wasn't going to be the only person who will have to go through this. So I thought once I figure it out for myself, I can help absolutely anyone. And that was my dream as a five-year-old. I wanted to heal people. And now I was in a situation when I required healing. Right. So that really propelled me to go in all sorts of direction. It wasn't enough for me to just know about the physical structure of the body. I, it wasn't enough for me to understand how the body is put together in a in, in terms of physiology. I needed to know how these organs work. How do they communicate with each other? Why is it that when you have a headache, it's not just a headache, it's related to emotions. Well, how does all of this happen? Mm-hmm. How is it that I got to heal my nerves? And when, they, when the doctors told me I couldn't do it. And that really pushed me in, in all the directions that I've taken. And I'm so glad I did. Well, absolutely, because that makes you really a holistic practitioner, a holistic coach, where you're not just looking at something in a funnel, but you're opening up your vision or your view to the multiple areas that could be impacting the human body, the human mind, the human functioning. And so it's interesting how things manifest in, in our lives, in our bodies. Yet when you take that holistic approach, you can kind of get a better idea of the puzzle, right? And the pieces that are playing that different, those different roles. So I love that you are so versed in so many areas and that, yes, it started early on, but continue to develop throughout your life. And I have to say that we have something similar in common. When I was young, six months of age, I had a hole in my small intestine, which led to surgery after surgery, after surgery, after surgery throughout my life. And from that, from a very early age, I too said to well, my grandparents at the time, because I lived with them, I said, I want to be a doctor. I want to help people. And I I think, you know, and it's from those experiences that we learn to thrive and that we learn to survive. And here you are today and you're surviving. So let's talk about, let's take a little bit of a shift here and let's talk about your business of being a high performance coach. And what is maybe the demographic you focus on and what are some of the modalities that you use to help support others. Let's talk about this. And let's also talk about the Alexander method. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing your story, by the way, such a oh, beautiful sure. inspirational story. Thank you. Well, coaching that I do high performance coaching, a lot of people don't really understand what it means to right. adopt high performance habits or learn how high performance works. High performance is basically about becoming efficient in how you spend your energy. So you're taking all the success tools, but you're making it more efficient. Mm -hmm. 
and you're understanding that success is not just a byproduct of your mental thinking, but it's also about your emotional muscle, your ability to adapt, your agility as an individual mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, understanding how to communicate. So there are so many different facets to high performance, courage being one of them, understanding inclusivity and having a consciousness in your leadership is another one of them. So in the beginning, the coaching was individual, and now it's no longer just for individuals. I coach organizations as well. I help uh, companies create cultures that are inducive to high performance with all of those elements that I just spoke about. And there's so many more, of course. You know, nowadays, companies are so much more aware of retention of their employees as well. So job satisfaction is really huge, but job satisfaction is not just about the amount of money you make. People right. want to feel included. They want to feel like they belong somewhere and they, they're a part of a system that is meaningful. Right. And inclusivity is no longer what it used to be. You know, it's not good enough to just have uh, Hispanic looking people and Asian looking people and colored people. It's about having a diversity of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that is what I teach organizations. And I just love that so many organizations are more open to it nowadays than they used to be, understanding that leadership must change, communities must change, and inclusivity needs to create a complete different meaning as well. So that's okay. what I love doing. Well, I love that you're out there doing it because I love that you're saying the diversity of consciousness right on. I I (laughs) absolutely dig that. That is super cool and super needed. And I would eventually love to go into that more with you, uh, maybe on a second episode, but (laughs) here's the thing. I also want you to touch on your Alexander method. Can you just give us a glimpse of what that is? Absolutely. So there is a reason why I created that Alexander method. I've, I've had a lot of education, of course. I've, you know, I've also taken the education of other coaches. I've become accustomed to other systems. I know a lot about psychology, about all the different modalities of coaching. And I noticed that there was a, there was a need for not just educating people on concepts but creating tools that people can actually work with. And we're all unique individuals. We have different learning styles. We have different consciousness. (laughs) We have our own particular filters that we use. So making coaching accessible for everyone across the board, young, old, man, woman, as long as they are willing to grow in their lives and become more functional, more high performing, and maintain a quality of life. Because a lot of people are succeeding in life, but they're not really maintaining their quality of life. They're not very happy. You know, they've got a lot of wealth. Uh, They've got a lot of success, a lot of trophies to show, but they're not really content with their lives as it is. Happiness is missing. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is I like to educate people and provide tools with which you don't just create success. I translate different concepts from performance psychology, from cognitive behavioral therapy, from all the different modalities and teach people how to create tools around. And not always my tools, but they can create their own through the Alexander Method that helps them truly thrive in life. Yeah. Because just like a diet will not fit everyone, 
It needs to be tailored to your needs. That's what the Alexander Method does. So you come in, there is a system that you follow, but how you go through that system develops your own way of thriving in life. Yeah. And oh. uh, that's what makes it unique. See, I knew that you could expand on that. It is so amazing <laughs> what you're doing. Thank so you. I love the whole functional aspect of that. I, I like that it's eclectic in that you bring in lots of different theory, but here's the, the switch practice. Yes. So we take it from theory into application and Absolutely. that is critical because those first steps, those next steps, those third steps are what people don't know that many times they've got it. They've got talent. They've got skill sets, but what are those first steps? And sometimes it even means going beyond the block, the block of fear, the block of angst, the block of, and what is anxiety? It's fear most of the time, right? So, absolutely. so I love that you take it into that space of theory, practical application. Those steps are really critical. I also like what you do in relation to what I would call doing a healthy evaluation, whether or not it's with that person or with that company Yes. What is the totality of their health and functioning? So what does that look like? And so you do that with your process, with the Alexander process and method. So right on, I love that you've created that for yourself and with your coaching experience. So let me ask you my next question. With all that you have going on, my friends, how do you find time for yourself? (laughs) <laughs> That's a very good question. Well, <laughs> answer number one is don't sleep. No, just kidding. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just, just kidding. kidding. No, no, no. I have to. I have to practice what I preach. Right. So I am. I am absolutely obsessed with my sleep. But I'm an early riser. You know, I wake up at four thirty in the morning. Wow. And the first first three hours of my day are spent in self care self-development, meditation, body development, you know, I I do it all. I take care of my mind, my body, my emotions, and my spirit to make sure that I have good energy going through the day. And if I am not practicing what I am coaching, if I am not practicing my own method, I don't think that makes me a very good coach. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. There are days where I feel like, okay, I have a little bit less time. What am I going to, what am I going to cash in? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to part ways with? But that's another element of becoming a high performer. You become more flexible, which means when you create this beautiful system to work through and there is a screw wrench thrown into your system by somebody calling last minute or what have you, you are not thrown off your game. You understand that you know how to pivot. You can pivot through your obstacles. And that makes it so enjoyable. That process of reaching for success, it becomes so much more enjoyable because we're no longer striving for perfection. We're striving to become optimal in our ways. And that is the essence of high performance. Now, it's not possible to do this without what I pay close attention to, and that is Mm self-development, not the personality, which is like the hat the person wears on their head, Mm. but the person themselves. Where do they come from? What is their history? What are their identifications? What are their filters? So I'm a astute observer. 
I watch for everything, for the energy, for the body language, for the words spoken, words not spoken, because I truly believe that a lot of the times, if we had more clarity about what it is that's missing in our lives, we could accomplish so much more. And I make it my business to help people create that. Now, now, if I'm doing that for an organization, I really do spend several days either interviewing from a distance or I show up on the location. I just walk around. I just want to take in what's going on. People don't need to know who I am. I just observe. And that is, that is the only way for me to truly uh, create an application for coaching. Yeah. Unless you understand the human being behind a business, behind a success, you're not going to be able to help them grow. Absolutely. I am in full agreement with that. And you're doing such an incredible job of really offering so much here with your background, with your experience, with your own wisdom. So thank you for all that you're offering here and what you give back to the world. This is amazing. My honor. Well, thank you again. So as we come to the close of this interview. If you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? It would be to become Teflon. We've got too much Velcro going on. Now let Mm -hmm. me explain. (laughs) People take things personally too quickly. We must learn to become more like Teflon and a little bit less like Velcro. Let go of things. Life's too short and it's too much fun to be holding on to all sorts of little disturbances in your energy field. You have got to learn how to become the keeper of your own internal state. I think if we all practice becoming a little bit more Teflon than Velcro, our life would be so much more pleasurable. Mm, what great words of wisdom. Thank you, Bahar, for being on the Core Women podcast with me today. Thank you, Samar. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you, everyone, for joining. You can follow Bahar Alexander on LinkedIn at Bahar Alexander One and at High Performance Leadership Development. You can also follow her on Instagram at The Alexander Method Coaching and on Twitter at Bahar Alexander One. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.